I remember back a few years to when I was, I think I was 19 years old, and I decided it was time to move out on my own. I uh, told you a little bit about my first house on my own before. It was in Mineral Wells. Uh, it was on, I don't remember if the avenues go this way or the streets this way. Whichever one goes this way, it was on 6th. 6th Avenue. On this side of the train tracks. And uh, I don't remember the guy's name. I think he passed away by now. But uh, he was a slumlord, I believe. Uh, I, 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 I was so excited. I uh, went and Went to Dollar General or Walmart and bought a whole bunch of cleaning supplies. You know, I was going to clean that house up. It was going to look good. So part of the deal was we knocked some off of my rent so I could make repairs on the place. So I was going to deal with that thing. So I got my cleaning supplies and I put them on the front porch and realized that my key didn't work to the front door. So I drove around to the back door to open up and get in. And by the time I'd opened the door and walked through the front porch, someone had stolen my cleaning supplies. <laughs> This house was, uh, it was wired for phone, but uh, it didn't have a phone jack. And so I had to put a new phone jack in, but then I, I didn't have any tools, so I used my mouth to strip the wires and somebody called. <laughs> that, was, that was a painful learning experience there, too. But the funnest part about this house was there was one room back there. I don't know what the room was ever used for. It wasn't very big, but it didn't have any sheetrock on it. And there was a hole in the floor to go outside. So I could see outside from inside my house. It wasn't a good part of town and got to run down, of course, hole in the wall. Uh, and I, I never got around to fixing that hole. In the wintertime, it was a little chilly. In the summertime, it was a my hot. <laughs> But the truth of the matter was, that house was never going to be what I wanted it to be until I dealt with the hole. The hole was always going to be an issue unless I got in there to deal with it. And the same is true for our topic today. We are still in our series, That Thing You Do, Journey of the Life of Jesus. Um, and, you know, the past couple of weeks we've talked about this declaration for faith. We have talked about walking in the light. And... This day, we will talk about an issue that every Christian, well, everybody at some point will have to deal with. Something that we're going to have to figure out. Uh, it's one that some of us try to get without doing. Uh, but in the end, we can never have what we're supposed to have until we deal with the issue. Our text this morning is there in 1 John, right where we left off last week. We left off last week in verse 7, and we pick up this week in verse 8. And it says there, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we don't have any sin, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time, Father, this morning. Use it for your glory. 
Father, may the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, show us your truth as it's contained in your word this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people say. so much stuff and so much so little space all the time and so we break these things up into chunks because the stuff that he says is weighty the stuff that he says makes you go huh wow you know what what does this really say to us and the first thing that, that we see here is that you cannot be a believer without truly acknowledging your sin you can't be a believer if you don't admit that you have sin you know we We've reached this point in our society where we think we're good people. We think the default is, well, I'm a good person, right? I don't steal, I don't murder, I don't do any of the bad stuff, so I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. And so the only real reason I really need Jesus most of the time is because I need Him to bless me. And so I'm going to go ask God to give me the things that I want because that's, that's what people do. But what John says here in 1 John is we can't even really be a believer if you don't first say, you know what? I'm a sinner. I'm not, I'm not a good person. I'm not someone who, who just does this. And this eliminates any superficial Christianity. This eliminates people who um, kind of just pretend. You have to believe it. You can't pretend it. You can't. You can try to lie to yourself, I guess. I'm a good person. I know Jesus. But I've often run into people who will tell me they are a Christian and they follow Jesus, but they can never be wrong. If you can never be wrong, were you ever to the point where you could be wrong with Jesus and say, I'm a sinner? Were you ever to the point where you went, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a lowly person, I, I've done this, have you ever got there? This, this counters this thought also that believers don't sin. John struggled with it. There were people there who obviously were saying, look, you're a believer, you don't sin anymore, it's great. Everything that I do is good because Jesus has made it good. And there's a theology out there still today that kind of says that. That anything that I do because I believe in Jesus has to be good because I believe in Jesus, therefore it must be good because Jesus loves me. That's it. But John says here, that's, that's not how it works. That's not what's going on. It's without acknowledging your sin, the truth won't be in you. If you don't acknowledge your sin, you can't have the truth. You can't know what's going on if you can't say yes. I, I can't do it. I can't make it on my own. That's the first thing he says to us. He says you can't be counterfeit. The truth is only in you. Of course, if you're saved, then you can't be saved if you can't come to the point to realize you need salvation. Y'all know Jerry Clower, the young ones might not. The other ones probably know Gary Clower, right? He tells a story, a really good story. Because, you know, down in that part of the world, they have, uh, you know, little dams on the river. And uh, sometimes they bust. He tells a story about a man one time. Hurricane came through. The levee busted. The man knew the water was coming in. And he climbed up on the top of his roof, right? Climbed up there. And he knew he was going to be safe. And the boat came by and said, come on, get the boat. We'll take you to safety. And he said, no, that's okay. God's going to take care of me. <laughs> okay. We'll see you in a little while. The water keeps rising. He's, he moves up a little bit further on the house. So 
He's standing on the corner of the roof of a house. Proverbs talks about that, but we won't go there today. Um, and the boat comes by. He's got water up to his ankles. He says, get in the boat. We'll take you to safety. He said, that's okay. God's going to take care of me. Okay, suit yourself. Water keeps rising. A few hours later, he's sitting on top of his chimney. Water up to his ankles. Helicopter comes by. Ah, grab the rope. That's okay. God's going to take care of me. A few years later, you know what happened? He's dead. He stands in front of Jesus. And he says, what happened, God? You promised to take care of me. And he said, you dummy, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. <laughs> we have to acknowledge where we are. We have to understand that we need the help. I mean, and, that, and that's really what goes on. So often we find ourselves at a point where, especially if we think we know Jesus, that maybe we're good, but we're really not. And John talks about that. He said, no. He said, to truly be a believer, you have to admit your sin. You have to acknowledge your sin. And, and so, what do we do with that? Because if I admit that I'm a sinner, what do I have to do to make it right? I mean, that's automatically where our mind goes, right? How can I make this right? What do we teach kids all the time, right? Say you're sorry, make amends, all that kind of stuff. So what do I do? What do I do to make it right? If I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, if I acknowledge that I can't do one, if I acknowledge that I need help, what am I supposed to do with this? Because I have this sin that you've already told me that I can't take care of, so how do I take care of it? And the great blessing that God promises here is that forgiveness is guaranteed for confessed sins. It's guaranteed. If you know Jesus and you go to Jesus, it's guaranteed that He's going to forgive that confessed sin. See, we have this issue sometimes where we go, I don't know. I've really done it this time. I really, I stepped off in it. God's mad at me. I'm not going to be able to come back from this one. Or we look at different people and we think, huh, they may be on beyond hope. But nobody's going to be on hope because what happens is forgiveness is guaranteed with confessed sin. There is this relationship with our sins that, that we sometimes don't understand because our sins are technically forgiven from the moment of salvation. Every sin that I'm ever going to do is forgiven. It's covered. It's paid for. It's purchased. We have a credit card that we pay the bills on it. So every month, I'll pay it. And there's a credit. <laughs> Negative how many ever dollars there. And so I watch as the bills come on and that credit goes down. That's how salvation works. I have a credit. And when a sin happens, it's forgiven. But we still confess. Why do we confess? Why, why is that confession there? Daily confession is a response to our salvation. It's part of the relationship. When we confess, we don't confess for God. We confess for us. We confess so that we continue to recognize that we're a sinner. We confess so we recognize that we hadn't made it. That we hadn't got there. We confess because we need to be reminded daily that we're still going to fail. That things are still going to happen. If you don't receive forgiveness for something that's due to a lack of relationship... You know what? It is not possible for a believer to not be forgiven. According to the Word. So if you're not being forgiven, or you think you're not being forgiven, maybe you need to figure out where you stand. Because believer's sinfulness is apparent in the Word. 
The Word tells you that believers are going to continue to sin. You, you read Paul, you read John, you read any of them. We're going to find out the sins are going to be there. The Word gives the requirements for salvation. If you claim you have no sin, it says you make God a liar and His Word is not in you. If you claim there's nothing there, if you claim you're getting it right, if you claim you've got everything done, you're lying. And you're making God a liar. Because God has said you're going to sin. Now, the worst sin is the sin that brings somebody else down with you. Right? I mean, and we're not just bringing just anybody down there. We're making God a liar if we're going to say that we sin. We're going to say, nope, I never sinned. You made God a liar. Now, can you make God a liar? Can God be a liar? No. God can't be a liar. So what does that have to mean? It has to mean that you're really not a Christian if you're not really doing what you're supposed to do because you can't make God a liar because God can't be a liar. God is pure and holy. We've already covered that last week. He's lying. There's no darkness in Him at all. So therefore, we have to examine ourselves. Because really, the Gospel is the power to overcome the path of sin. We've been doing some talk about the Gospel on Wednesday night. Uh, some hard questions, right? Here. <laughs> for you. <laughs> for me. Hard questions for me. Easy questions for Ken. He understands it all. But, talking about the gospel, but the gospel has to be bigger than just simply salvation because the gospel affects our life now. The gospel affects who we are now. The gospel is the power to overcome the path of sin. He says, I write these things to you. Why? So that you may not sin. I write these things to you so that you may not sin. I'm giving you these tools. I'm telling you these things. I'm giving you these truths so that you will have the tools at your disposal to do the thing that you need to do, which is overcome sin. Our inherent sinfulness isn't an excuse to sin. Okay. How many of you have ever said, Oh, man, I'm only human. <laughs> Did you know that Jesus was 100% human and 100% God? To say that I'm only human, well, okay. Maybe Jesus is what it means to be human. And on some level, we're just subhuman. We haven't made it there. Because what Jesus came to show us is what it means to be humanity. What it means to be man following God. That's what it means to be human. So when I say, well, I'm only human. Well, I couldn't help it and I felt That's really not an excuse. And that's hard for us to think about. It's not an excuse. Because Jesus was human. But He didn't sin. He did the perfect life. I can't do that. Okay? He says we can overcome sin through the power of the gospel. I've given you these tools. I've given you these tools so that you will take that step, so that you will look at that, and you will strive to be sinless. You will strive to be obedient. You will strive to do the things that I've called you to do. I've given you these things so that you may not sin. But, even when we sin, Jesus is on our side. Ooh, that's the fun part here. You're a sinner. Here's my boiled down version. You're a sinner. You have to admit to be saved. In order to, to admit it, you have to continue to confess it. When you confess it, you are forgiven, guaranteed. The gospel gives you the power to overcome sin, but you're never going to be perfect.
and you're still going to fall and you're still going to sin and you're still going to make bad choices. And when you do that, when you fall, when you can't make it anymore and you still do that thing you're not supposed to do, when you fall, Jesus is on your side. Amen. Wow! Jesus is on your side. I have a story I shouldn't tell but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> there was a really rough part of my life and uh, my parents were going through a divorce. And it was a... My mama could be uh, difficult. And my daddy could be stubborn. That's why you have me. Oh. <laughs> Those two things happened. And at one point, there was some custody stuff. I was already an adult, but my sister was not. And so my sister was over at my, not my, her boyfriend's house. Her, his mom was in charge. And his mom had been told I'd let my mom see my sister. That didn't settle well, honestly. And we lived in Wit, so, you know, there's ten houses in the whole town. So, my mama goes to see and tries to get in. They called the sheriff's department. The sheriff's department came out, and this man tackled my mama, my poor osteoporosis mama. And uh, by the time I got there, and I wasn't following Jesus very well at this point, so just show me grace. Uh, but anyway, um, there was this argument that happened between me and my daddy when he showed up. My daddy's the only man in my life I've ever been scared of. My daddy's all of 5'10". Terrified me. Um, and he and I are arguing back and forth. And this cop comes up. So we're with, you know, all lots of houses are coming on. I don't, I'm not quiet. In case you didn't know that. Um, and this officer walks up. And he's mad at me. He's not mad at my daddy. He's mad at me. And he says, if you don't quieten down, I'm going to have to cuff you and put you in the car. <laughs> I looked at him and I said, Go ahead, try it. You want to know why I did that? Because my daddy was standing there. And I knew my daddy was on my side. Right? Because right after that, my daddy looked over to that cop and he said, boy, get in the car now. Guess what I did? I got in the car. <laughs> but I knew my daddy was on my side. And it gave me a boldness there that I probably shouldn't have, but he was on my side. That's what happens with Jesus. When we sin, when we fail, when we fall, we may be in the wrong spot, but it doesn't mean that Jesus has given up on us. It doesn't mean that we're all alone. Because Jesus is on our side. He says we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus is sitting there, and even if God says, boy, you've done, done it, I'm going to get rid of you, Jesus says, whoa, Daddy, he's mine. I paid the price. I've given, I've given it for him. He's one of mine. He's good. Let's, let's forgive him. Let's let it go. Because even when we sin, Jesus is on our side. Just like that parent, I'm on your side even when the side you picked isn't the right side. 
It doesn't mean I agree with the side. It means I love you through it. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have punishment. It doesn't mean that there's not consequences. It doesn't mean that if you said the big, you're not going to jail, but it means that I'm going to be there with you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to support you. That's all I can do. That's Jesus, because Jesus may look at us and he may be going, son, you should not be there again. You shouldn't have made that statement again. You shouldn't have went there again. You should have stayed away and you didn't. And, and there's going to be consequences because you did that. But, still love you. And I'll support you. And I'll be right there to take care of you. Because I'm on your side. See, I think some of us adults never understood that when we were growing up. That even when mama and daddy were mad at us, they were on our side. It's not until we become a parent we go, I'm, I'm going to send them to live with somebody else because I can't handle it. But I still love them. It's when we understand that. Because He loves us. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what we've done. We have an advocate. He's there. He's arguing for us. You know, Daddy, I know he washed it up again. I know this is the 15th time he's done that same thing. But he's trying. He's trying. And I, I paid the price. What, what does it matter, Daddy? I paid the price. I paid it. But then he says something so radical. I think sometimes we have a hard time with even today. Jesus isn't just for Christians. He's for the world. The church isn't supposed to be a country club where we're exclusive. The church is supposed to be a hospital where the sick and hurting can come and find healing. That's who we're supposed to be. It's for the world. And sometimes that means we have to bury some natural feelings way down inside us. We have to give them to Jesus and say, take them away. Because there are sometimes when we look at different groups of people and the hurt that they've done, we want to get upset. But Jesus says, I died for them too. It was for them too. It was for everybody. He's not just for Christians, he's for the world. How? So we put all this together. There's this mark of Christianity. I call it the second mark of an authentic Christian life. It's this daily confession and acknowledgement of our sinfulness. This unlocks a freedom that you can't imagine. If you start the day at a place of humility before the Lord, He can put you in a place of victory. It's amazing. <coughs> so often we, we, we struggle when we think, well, again, hey, it's, it's tough to get up this morning. I mean, there are mornings. I have, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old who doesn't sleep lengthwise on the bed. <laughs> He always ends up in that bed. 
And what he wants to do, and I don't know why, he comes in wanting mama. But he doesn't sleep with mama. He leans over to daddy and sticks his feet and his hands and his head underneath me. And I don't know, I'm like, boy, push back over. And all night long, I'm up pushing that boy up. But I wouldn't change it. And I'll wake up and I'll go, it's 6.30. I was supposed to be up an hour and a half ago. But life is life. And, and sometimes it didn't go the way we want it to go. Sometimes it's, it's, it's hot and it's messy and, 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 and we just don't know how to get past this. But if we'll start our day saying, Jesus... I know I didn't make it yesterday. And I'm probably not going to make it today. But I know that you have declared victory over my life. And today I want to walk in that victory. Open the doors you want to open. Close the doors you want to close. Send the rain in your season. me to glorify you. You'd be amazed at how much your life looks different throughout the day. Because I didn't start up here thinking I had it all on. I started down here knowing I'm probably going to mess up. But through the power of Jesus, I might not because I've already asked Him to help me through that. Maybe today you've been struggling with sin. And some of us had those sins that we struggle with, and we struggle with them our entire life. That they are there. That's the one thing the enemy knows that he can throw at you, that you are going to flounder with, that you are going to stop, that's going to take your breath. Remember the ice water challenge here a few years ago, the ice bucket challenge thing? Any of y'all do that? I was stupid enough to do that. Okay. <laughs> and I didn't just do it a little bit. You go look on Facebook, you'll find it somewhere, I guarantee you. I had a man at the church, they poured, oh, they, poured man, they poured three big Rubbermaid things on me, a trash can, and several pictures, and it just gets continually. And I remember, I got about halfway through it, and I had to stand up and say, stop, because I couldn't breathe. I just couldn't breathe. Maybe you have a sin that's that way. And he just throws it. And he throws it. And he throws it. And you're at that point where you find yourself and your breath is caught and you can't breathe. This is when you say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. But I know you've declared victory for me. And I want to claim it now. Maybe that's where you've been struggling. Give it to him today. Let him have it today. Maybe today you have been just, 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 just trying to find... God wants you to be, where He wants you to serve, what He wants you to do. And you've been saying, God, I don't know what you have for me, but I know you have something for me because I guarantee you He does. And this is, this is the key, saying, God, I'm willing to do it. I may be afraid of it, but I'm willing to do it. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to start missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning... You've never known Jesus as your Savior.
Maybe you've heard about Him all your life. You've, you've always heard about Him, but you've never, you've never acknowledged your sin. You came down an aisle and you said, I want to know Jesus, but you never said, I'm a sinner. You never said, I can't get there. And now's the time. If you don't know Jesus, walk the aisle. Say, I want to know Jesus, so we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to You right now and we thank You. We praise You for Your blessings.